This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The world's favorite millennial, Stephen Busaka, joins us in the Lunker Dog Studios today. From Hell's Bay to Chittum, Busaka shows us what a boat snobby is. And how much is a fly fisherman willing to pay for a nice PFG? And the Lunker Dog says, let the wind be your friend. All this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. So Stephen Busaka, 2023, first podcast for 2023. It is the first one. That's right. The world's favorite millennial makes an appearance. <laughs> Once in a blue moon. It's, it's good to have you in the studio. Thanks, man. I mean, think about it. I had to. I, so I did an episode with Norm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Last week. And yeah, I was doing an episode with Norm. <laughs> he's pissing off the golfers. And I'm the about to say, he's, yeah. And, <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was uh, entertaining. And uh, then I did one with the George Copeland dude. The one I just uploaded last week. Yeah, you and Andy and Nikki did those, did the podcast kind of very close together. Well, actually, I didn't know that um, I didn't know that Andy uh, did an interview with George. They actually did it a couple months ago. Really? Yeah. And then I was supposed to do this interview with George before COVID. Really? Mm-hmm. That's like three. We're talking about three years ago then. Right. Wow. And then George being like the humble dude that he is, I wasn't so sure that he really wanted to do it or whatever. Yeah. But he did. That's awesome. You know why? He's a real guy. Well, yeah, he's a real guy. But um, because of the um, content about all the water quality, he's figuring to himself, if I can tell a few stories and we can get this water quality message across, then I want to do this. Like it motivated the dude to do it. It's all about the narrative. Compelled him to be on the Real Guy podcast. (laughs) And you can take credit for some of that, Busaka, with your, you know, environmental mind and everything. I appreciate that, dude. Thank you. But do you see what's going on in the news right now with the environmental stuff? (sighs) I'll be honest with you. I've been trying to stay away from the news. So this is is one of the big problems that we have when we talk about environmental stuff is these fucking nutcases. These total nutcases are out there. Making fools of themselves in the name of the environment. You know what I mean? Talking about, you know, carbon emissions and all this stuff. 
and they got all these theories and the global warming stuff. And it's just as simple as fix the fucking sewage pipes and plant a few mangroves. I mean, that's well, how far that's how far it is between the narratives. The thing that the thing that's kind of got me a little bit pissed off right now is, particularly my generation with the millennials and then Gen Z, you know, they're so they're they're all about getting up in arms about you know climate change and global warming, but yet when it comes to protesting stuff like overdevelopment, crumbling infrastructure, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, but don't blame that on them. Don't blame that on them. They've they've. They've been deliberately steered into that direction and steered away from the real direction. Because I'm saying that stuff is affecting us right now but, at this moment. But that, but those, that age group, you know what I mean? They've been purposely steered towards that direction. You know what I mean? And they haven't been told the truth. They don't know the truth. They're trying to figure it out, the truth, now. And they don't realize how simple this whole... You know, environmental thing is. They overcomplicate it. Dude, all I want them to do in the city of Fort Lauderdale is uh, fix the pipes so we don't dump sewage in the water. That's not like rocket science. We got fucking billions and billions of dollars set aside for infrastructure. Okay, let's do that. And then the other thing that would work tomorrow is plant a few mangroves in the canal system where we'd eliminate all the mangroves. And water goats, too. We've talked about that. Water goats, just simple step solutions. So I went to that. Um, I went to that um, meeting in Rio Vista the other day. Which meeting? Well, Nancy Glassman. You remember Nancy Glassman? I'm assuming she's related to Steve Glassman. No, Gassman. No oh. L. Oh, there's a Gassman and a Glassman. Nancy Gassman. <laughs> she's the lady that gets up there, and she yays or nays all the environmental proposals for the city. Nancy she, she, yeah, okay. she's the she's the city's environmental guru, the lady that hires. She's the authority. Okay, okay. so that's Nancy Gassman. She's fairly sad, like fairly sad. So I go to this meeting because Nancy Gassman's going to address the Civic Association in Rio Vista or the Tarp, about the Tarpon River. So she gets up there. And the very first thing she tells everybody is that water quality here in Fort Lauderdale has been taken off the priority list. Right. Three years ago, we set the record for the biggest sewage spill ever recorded. This year, they've taken it off the priority list. And the reason they've taken it off the priority list is because they've completed the Tarpon River Restoration Project. Which has done nothing. Right. They dredged about 300 feet of it. It was all a dog and pony show. But this is what she told the people at the meeting. So they've completed the Tarpon River Restoration Project. Two, they've increased the street cleaning. I still see homeless people walking around laying all over the place. Well, they they weren't talking about that. They were talking about street cleaning. Like the the street cleaning machine that goes around and cleans the streets. It is a joke. But that's what she told the people of Rio Vista and how they're cleaning up the Tarpon River and how the canals are getting all better. Thirdly, um, it was that John boat. The guys in the John boat that go around with the, with oh, the yeah. shrimp net. Picking up trash. Picking up debris. <laughs> okay, so they got one John boat and they got increases street cleaners. And that's it. Then we brought up 
the water testing that they did in the city and now that's going and if they plan on you know keeping that up and she wouldn't answer um the question directly i simply asked her are, are we going to keep the water testing from rachel from uh miami water, miami water keepers because um you know that's the only thing we got to look at to find out if you know the water's getting better or worse now yeah. according to those um tests that she's been taking over the last couple of years nothing's really gotten much better no it's pretty much stayed the same it's, it's pretty, just shit right it's just horrible so anyway i asked her about that and she wouldn't say yay or nay if we're going to keep up the water testing. And then she wanted to tell us that the reason that we're failing the water test is because of, of pet feces. Please tell me everybody laughed when she said that. I'm not. People were disgusted. They weren't really laughing. So they talked about pet feces and everything else except for... The actual, what, the actual issues, crumbling infrastructure. Crumbling infrastructure, how the infrastructure is getting fixed. What are we really going to do to rehabilitate? Okay. So Zach Routman's old Schlipp, Captain Schlipp was over there with his dad. <laughs> really? And, and, you know, they're big watermen. His dad fishes, yeah. you know, three or four days a week. He's a big hitter in town, big doctor. Um, and he cares about the water. Now, Schlipp, old Zach Routman, he was there. And their, their, their simple thing was the city's going to replace over five miles of seawall. And this Nancy Gassman lady, let's just call her the seawall lady. She loves to do seawalls. And that's her answer for everything. Okay. So what they wanted to ask Nancy was, are they going to do any type of natural type of seawall or uh, environmentally friendly type of seawall? There's all these different seawalls you can make instead of just doing straight metal like they did in Rio Vista that promotes absolutely no life, they were asking if she might do that. She foo-fooed that idea and said, that's not happening. Then they asked her about maybe planting mangroves. Then she proceeded to tell the audience that the water was so polluted in Fort Lauderdale that it wouldn't support mangrove growth, which is a dead lie. Yeah, because she knows nothing about mangroves. Mangroves seem to be the only thing that can withstand all this shit. Right. It's the only one thing that might be able to withstand all this is right. And she knows that. She knows that. Well, how about the fact she just admitted how polluted the water is? Well, she contradicted herself Obviously over. Obviously, she shot herself in the foot. She with that contradicted one. herself over and over and over during the meeting. But this is what the this is what the city's response was to all this. I'm not surprised by this, Jeff. Of course, Honestly, like of course. Now that's now that's the sad part, is that the city's got a lady that's totally incompetent, has no will. To try to resurrect the waterways has no will to be a leader of a steward of the environment. Well, I would like to see Fort Lauderdale lead the rest of the state. Like, okay, we totally fucked it up. Now we're gonna we're gonna fix it. We're gonna fix it, or at least clean it up where fecal bacteria levels aren't so bad where you're not allowed to swim. Yeah, I mean, can we at least do that? You know what I mean? So anyway, my point is. We're a long way here in the city of Fort Lauderdale from having any type of success. When you have people like Nancy Gassman in there that have no driving will to actually make something happen. I mean, did, were people actually like pushing back on her too? Well, people were asking her legitimate questions like the live seawall, like the mangroves, you know, um, one of the things that she mentioned was fertilizers, of course, 
and um, well, I will say she's not wrong about the photo. She's not wrong thing. about it. They made the they made the law, but they don't enforce the law. Then she talked about lawn clippings and landscapers, right? Which she's right about. Yeah. And then I proceeded to ask her, well, if lawn clippings are a problem and they're putting too much nutrients in the water, then why does the city the worst offender? And she goes, what do you mean? I says, when you walk down Los Angeles Boulevard and you've got those big, long medians in the middle of the road and then on the side of the road. I says, Sunrise Boulevard and those long medians all up and down the road. I says, you guys have the biggest mowers and the most badass lawn crew. And those guys are rolling down the street and they're blowing that stuff right into the drain. And she says, oh, well, you have to report that. Right. Yeah, we'll report it and nothing, nobody will do anything about it. Right. She says, oh, you have to report that. No, I thought you worked for the city. Now, if she had any will to actually fix the waterway or to do anything about these problems, then maybe she would say, geez, I didn't realize they were doing that. We'll have to talk to the right people. You know what I mean? Not deflecting it, not saying, oh, that's something you have to do. She's getting paid. It's her, her job. It's typical city stuff, dude. Dude. Now, on a positive note, there was 30, 40 people in the meeting. Really? Yes. What day did this take place on? This took place on like a Wednesday night at like 7 p.m. or something crazy like and that. And still 40 people showed up? Right. That's actually impressive. It was impressive. And in that neighborhood, uh, just a couple of years ago, you know, before the big sewage spill, and even right after the big sewage spill, it's like you couldn't get, you know, five people to follow along so on a positive note people are starting to get more aware and are coming up with good ideas that they know are legit well they they said that this last election that we had in november that there they were calling it that there was a huge green wave particularly in the state of florida um and i will admit that i've been impressed with a lot of the people my age that are just like you know how can i get more involved because they see all the stuff that i post and and that makes me happy to see that. Well, as a, I mean, anybody, anybody, you know, that actually understands what's going on, you know, is going to be alarmed. Yeah. You know, but it's about the narrative and making sure that we keep the narrative going and keeping everybody aware. Well, there is a narrative now where before there was a few foundations that were, you know, doing some things, you know, like against commercial fishing and that kind of stuff. But what's happening here in the state of Florida with this rapid development and it's irresponsible developing. People are starting to People catch on. People are starting to catch on. People are starting to catch on. The, the uh, friends of the Everglades, they were talking about how one of the things that they want to push for in the state of Florida is um, obviously clean water. But they specifically said was responsible development. Yeah. Did you hear about um, uh, the documentary that National Geographic is coming out with, Path of the Panther? Did not. So Carlton Ward, who's like a hot shot over there, National Geographic, they spent, about, I think, about two years or so filming this documentary about, you know, the Florida Wildlife Corridor, which I've mentioned that to you before. Oh, yeah, you brought that up. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's finally going to be in theaters in Florida on the 24th. I already bought my tickets. Drew and I are going. And um, But the thing I like is when you watch the trailer – He's not he's not out there just telling everybody about climate change and global warming. He's saying overdevelopment is our biggest enemy right now in the state of Florida. Oh, yeah, that's it's obvious. And 
What I like is the, I mean, the footage that they have, I can't wait to see the whole documentary, but the footage that they have of, you know, the Panthers and all the other wildlife is just absolutely incredible. The resolution. And the whole point he was saying is the Panther may actually be our ticket for saving wild Florida, preserving the wildlife corridor and helping people to become more aware of responsible development. Right. Which, and, and, and see, this is, this is where... This is where the Al Gores of the world and the crazy freaks of the world with these Green New Deals and stuff are really cloudy, uh, making things cloudy. Because people that are trying to learn about it or that are learning about it get turned off by all that stuff, all that crazy stuff where they talk about global warming and electric cars. And, and, yeah, just, you know, something that's so big. When the things that actually make a difference today that are so small, you know, they what get I mean? swept under the rug. Well, it's just you know, it, it, that's the fight we're having, and that's the fight we've had over the years, where these foundations would do good things, but they get put in the category of being a bunch of nuts. So we got like a new generation of people that are learning about the environment, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just you know. It's goods and the bads. Yeah. But to think that guys like George Copeland, you know what I mean, want to come on the podcast to use it as a tool to help educate people about what's going on. I'd like, actually, I should listen to that podcast. I, I've heard some good things about George. <laughs> well, I would hope you'd listen to the yeah. podcast. Well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I admit that there's certain ones I'd rather listen to more than others I get more excited about. I, uh, it was funny. I was I was um I was actually re-listening to uh the podcast that Andy and Nikki did with Bob Branham again the other day when he talked about Biscayne Bay. Speaking of Biscayne Bay, you know I finally got back out there actually last week. I saw that. Got a bonefish, right? We did. And uh you know it's funny, man. I Did you know that that was the first time I only saw one other boat out there the whole day? Really? One. Probably because it was also blowing about 25 miles per hour and partly cloudy. But, um, well, it's part of it. Sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes you have to fish in tough conditions. Well, you know, it was funny. When we got out there, I was, I was a little annoyed with the conditions because I was like, gosh, like Biscayne Bay just never fails. You like were, You were freaking <laughs> yourself out. Well, it's just because, you know, like, think of it this way. So I've been officially going fishing with Carl out there for five years now. I try to go roughly once a month with him. So over the course of five years, let's say I've been out there, I don't know, let's call it 20-something times. I mean, Jeff, I can maybe think of three times that we had perfect conditions. Three. Yep. I hadn't been out there since September of last year. We get out there, and of course, that's the first thing I see. So I'm like, well, you know, welcome back to Biscayne Bay. And, um, you know, with the conditions being as bad as they were, uh, we only saw two schools of bonefish the entire day. But I will say this. Being able to pluck one out in those conditions, I will admit that I forgot of just how rewarding of a feeling it is. Well, those are some... I mean, that's why we do it. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is sometimes you get bad conditions and then you make it happen is... That's the best thing for you. 
It's a blessing as, in disguise. As opposed to going out on a day when the fish are hungry and everything's easy and you get four or five and your buddy got two or whatever. Those days where you got to work hard at it and squeak them out. Now, that's a big deal. But what's a bigger deal is, wasn't that the first time you got to fish on Carl's new boat? I was just going along. I was just going to lead into that. His Chittam skiff. Dude. I'm going to say this. I loved the Hell's Bay. I mean, we had so many great memories. I mean, I caught my first bonefish, my first permit, like a lot of great memories. I loved that boat. I was so mad when he said he was getting rid of it. I he'll he'll tell you too. You're not supposed to get emotionally tied to your guide's boat. I know, but there's a lot of good memories on that boat. Okay, <laughs> but I I can't, he'll tell you this too. I if I had a dollar for every time I kept saying to him, Carl, I love this freaking boat. Really, dude. Mind you, you saw how bad the conditions were. Right. Going like 45. Really? Barely getting wet. Barely. <laughs> I was like, dude. So now he got, is there like, is that the only model that Chittam's making? No, there's other models. Like he's got the snake bite one and then there's an Island Marauder one. And So he's got the Chittam snake bite. Yep. That's the one he's got. And then you're rolling around Biscayne Bay in that real fancy skiff after dude. getting off the old fancy skiff. I never thought I never thought I would say but let's just put it this way. It took one time for me to say I don't think I missed the Hell's Bay that much. <laughs> that I swear to you, that's how good this boat I, I couldn't believe it. And mind you, it was rough. On the Hell's Bay, I was having to hold on to the seat because I was ready to go flying off of it. Alright, so of all the boats that you've ever been bone fishing on, you've been out on Hell's Bay. Maverick. Maverick. Who's been at Maverick? Was that? Alfano. Oh, that's right. Alfano's Maverick. Yep. And Hughes. You, who had the use? That was, uh, what's his name in Green Turtle? Um, Ronnie Sawyer. Ronnie Sawyer. Yep. So you use Maverick, Hell's, Hell's Bay, Bay, and now the Chittam. And now the Chittam. And I, I couldn't believe, I mean, that thing is sleek. I mean, I kept looking at this freak like, like the leather seats and everything, and like the the seat um, had like a like a backrest that was a little bit higher up, so it's a little bit more comfortable and on your back and everything. And it's just, I just couldn't believe the way that this thing was slicing across the bay in those conditions and those rough conditions. It was choppy out there, and this thing, I mean, forty five, Jeff, just fucking. I Do was. You, like, th- th- I mean. Don't you feel like a little bit of like elitist running around Biscayne Bay in these fancy skiffs? Elitist? Well, you know, there's a lot of guys out there with John boats, you know. I felt very fortunate. I felt very fortunate is the word I would use because I. Um... Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I, it, just the way it was balanced. Dude, you're so spoiled at this point. I know, but I, and I don't take it for granted either. But like, I just think about how, like, when I got up, mind you, it's choppy as hell. No, I think you're taking it for granted. How? All right. So, would you go out and pay a guide to pick you up in a Carolina skiff now? I would still do that. Yeah. No, here at Biscayne Bay. I don't mean like in Belize or something. Well, I only like to go with. 
You wouldn't. <laughs> well, you know. All right, so you so you wrote, you you drive down to Crandon and you get out in the same old spot that you used to get on a Hell's Bay or a Chittam, and the guy's there, and he's got he's got a seventeen foot Carolina skiff tiller. Okay, and it's old; it's all raggedy and stuff. Well, I mean, you know, when you put it like that, how do you expect me to? You know, Chittam is like the top, right? So you're asking me to kind so, of downgrade. So you would. You would. You'd look at the guy in the Carolina skiff and you'd be like, oh, geez. Oh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you go out with the finest skiffs in the world and you get the best guides. And then, then you're always going out with these guys. You've been out with Alfano, who's really good down in the Keys. Mm-hmm. You've been out with the Sawyer guy. In the Bahamas. In the Bahamas, who grew up freaking bone fishing. years. Right in all the best places. And then you fish with Carl with the Hells Bay and the Chittams. I don't blame you. I'd probably look down at the guy with the Carolina skiff, too. (laughs) If I was in your shoes. All I know is that Chittam, man, I just... I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with all the other... I mean, you know, listen, the the Hells Bay was great. We had great memories on that boat. There is something wrong with the other boats. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. All right, so the other boats... Okay. And I'm getting ready to get one of these fancy skiffs. Really? Yeah. You're kidding me. Well, you know, I'm doing a lot more fly fishing with everybody. And these fly fishing guys, kind of like you, look down their nose at guys with like a commercial <laughs> skiff like the Maritime. Now, there'd be a lot of conditions where the Maritime would be the better skiff to be on. But it doesn't look cool like Carl's boat, like the Chittam. It doesn't look cool like the Hell's Bay. And when these guys are looking online with the photos and stuff, they want that look. They want to go out on that fancy boat. Otherwise, it's just not uh, fulfilling their whole... The experience. Experience. And they, they got to have it. And they'll book another guy because his boat looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to get one of these fucking boats. Not that I wouldn't enjoy it. Not that I'm going to not fish the piss out of it. But I kind of have to get one of these boats because the marketing angle on tarpon fly fishermen, guys, when they think about it, they're thinking about... Chittams and Hell's Bay. Right. Them son of a bitches. Wait, so, so what are you marketing can I gotta got get something fancy like a Maverick or a friggin' Hell's Bay or something. Get a Chittum. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. I, I, when Carl said he was getting rid of the Hell's Bay, I literally said to him, I was like, why would you do that? Like, I couldn't believe he was doing it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was a little upset when he told me he was doing it. I was like, Chittum? I said, why the hell you want to go with Chittam in Hell's Bay? But then you look cooler at the boat ramp this week with the Chittam. Well, but yeah, I was going to say, because then all of a sudden I, I walked up and I saw it and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> See, they got you. <laughs> they got you right where they want you. <laughs> and that's why these boats cost so much money, because friggin' they spend 50000 of the $100,000 worth warping your mind and all the other people's <laughs> mind that these boats are the best thing since sliced bread. Well, no, but I got to tell you, though, and, and the thing with the Chittam is it was lighter. So here's the thing. I said to Carl, I said, oh, Dude, you'll not, love this one. You're not pulling the damn thing. So get this. I said, Carl, I said, it's been five years. I was wondering if I could ask you a big favor. And he's like, what? I said, you mind if I pull you around the flats? He goes, really? I said, I've never been on the polling platform. How did that go? All I'm going to say is that and I, I said this in my Instagram post. I have a newfound respect for guides who can pull the boat in a straight line. <laughs> In 25-mile-per-hour winds. But you couldn't pull the boat in a straight line in 25 We were freaking spinning all over the freaking place. and Were you irritating Carl? 
He was laughing at me the whole time, actually. Okay. At least he took took it the right way. He goes, and that's why nobody pulls me around. But I will say, I'd like to learn how to do it because I think it would be great to learn. Um, Because I told him, I was like, I think it'd be fun to be able to... Dude, stay focused. Stay fucking focused, Busaka. All right. I watched you jump from sheep's head to bonefish in a very short amount of time. Now stay focused, dude. Fair enough. You don't need to be polling right now. Sure. Learn how to get the bonefish a little better. Maybe pick up the fly rod, start doing that a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Y- you're an angler. Now you're not the polar. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, let me tell you though, it's a lot harder than than it looks. I was like, wow. And he he was just kind of letting me try to get a feel for it and. I mean, it didn't help that the wind was blowing either. I was like, yeah, I said, let me stop this. I said, this is not good. Dude, the wind thing, the wind thing, people make too big of a deal out of that. You're making too big of a deal out of that. The wind can be your friend. Did you know that? That's an old saying that guides in Biscayne Bay and the Keys. Let the wind be your friend. Is that what they say? That's what they do. Well, you can't beat them. You can't fight them. You might as well go with them. So anyway, the whole wind thing, that big-ass bonefish I got inside, the one I mounted, 13 and a half pounds. Big Pine Key. Big Pine Key. Wind was blowing 25 out of the friggin' really? northeast. That's right. Some of the biggest and best fish are caught on the shittiest days. The episode we did with George Gods down in uh, Miami for the tarpon. No, Stuart. No, Miami for the tarpon. Homeboy come down. Oh, it was blowing yeah, 35 yeah. out of the northwest. Was it really? Right. Fish went off that night. Just saying. I Let the wind be your friend. That's right. <laughs> We're going to name the podcast that. Let the wind be your friend. Yeah. There we go. They that. say that in Biscayne Bay. Lots of guys say that. Ask from Carl if he's heard that before. I'm sure he has. Lots of people have. Yeah. I have. Mark Croca and all those guys. Bob Branham. I wonder if they all said that. All name dropping. Yeah. I haven't uh, done it in a while. It's the first podcast of 2023. Cut me some slack. No, that's cool. You can name drop. Yeah. Uh, Copeland was name dropping like a... Son of a gun? Yeah. Who was he name dropping? Oh, he had them all. He had them all. He had guys that I thought I only knew about he was name dropping. Was Tommy Green one of them? Yep. Really? John Tedder. Randy Toe. Oh, shit. I mean, he was name dropping. So any of you guys who didn't listen to the episode with George Copeland that we uploaded last week, make sure you listen to that one and get all the good shit. I got the sound bite for this thing is friggin' two minutes long. That's how much good shit was on there. Really? Fifty seven pound snook. Oh, he, you don't he, know about that story. He caught a fifty seven pound snook. He'd have to you gotta listen to the podcast. Busaka. Anyway. So yeah, I'm looking for a uh I'm looking for one of those skiffs. It has to fit that profile. And I don't really, I don't know, I don't really care like how how skinny it gets because I'm never in that skinny of water. Yeah, but it has to look cool, and it has to hold the fly fishing rods on the side and everything. Mm-hmm. That way, when the guys get on the boat, they feel like they're getting the experience. Yeah, the like they're watching a Yeti commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like the best boats would flip pallet. You like know, speaking of flip, like oh, go ahead. <laughs> I got a lot more. Like they're hanging with friggin'. Uh, Jose? <laughs> no, not Jose. <laughs> I can't think of the singer. What's the singer's name? Oh, wait. The singer? John Denver? <laughs> the guy, the Adam Morata dude. 
This Jimmy Buffett? Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Key West. The whole thing. <laughs> Just the whole thing. What was it? Um speaking of, you know, Flip, guess who called me the other day? Timmy O'Connor. Captain Tim. Victoria's best friend. Yep. He's a great man. And he always tells me, he goes, um, I'm going to try to set you up with Flip one of these days. Dude. I said to him, I said, listen, you know, I'd love you if you could. You know who else has a connection with Flip that I forgot to tell you about? Who? My cousin Eric. What? Yep. From Boston? Yep. How? Wait, it might be Lefty. Well, that doesn't help us because Lefty's been gone for like five years. <laughs> it's Flip. You're sure? It's Flip. How, wait, he's got a connection with him? All right. I want to say it's either just a friend that's a girl or an ex-girlfriend or somebody who's friendly with Flip. So, really? So, I mean, like, real friendly, like they hang or whatever. So, anyway, they're hanging out, and she's telling them that my cousin Eric's a big fan and everything. And next thing you know, Eric gets an envelope in the mail with, like, four or five flies and a little note. You're kidding me. And he was bragging to me about that. Kind of like you were bragging about being on Carl Skiff. <laughs> Same shit. He's caught up in that whole fly fishing thing, too. The look, right? Well, the whole thing. The whole experience. How much How much are they, how much are they blowing on those custom Columbia fly fishing shirts? Like, you go into, like, whatever fly company it is. Okay? The PFG shirt? Yeah, it's a PFG. And, you know, it's got all the pockets and everything. Yeah. But, like, I was up in Concord Fly Shop up in Massachusetts. So they had theirs. That was Concord Fly Shop. Had their logo. Like, all the And I want to say it was, like, 120 bucks for the shirt. Yeah, they're expensive as hell. <laughs> I, I was up in, I was up in uh, North Carolina, up in the mountains. And I went into this little fly shop. And there was a shirt that only Eric could wear. <laughs> Cousin Why Eric. Why is that? Because it looks like something Eric would wear. So anyway, I, I, I was like, how much is this? It was like 140 bucks or something. But I had to get it for Eric. Like Did he I like could, it? Yeah, he loved it. He loved it. Just like he would like fishing on Carl's boat. He's got the $500 fly rods and all that kind of stuff. Dude. Yeah, that thing was nice, dude. <laughs> that thing was real nice. Timmy's caught up in all that. Yeah. You know, Timmy, yeah. Timmy, gets, Timmy gets flustered when I bring ugly sticks on his egret. Really? Yeah. He thinks he looks down on that? It bothers him. It bothers <laughs> him. Like, if I bring an ugly stick on an egret, he'll, he'll, he'll mention that I brought the ugly stick like four or five times during the trip. What would you rather you bring? If I brought anything else, like, he wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't phase him. He wouldn't be like, man, that's a nice rod or whatever. But when you do bring the ugly stick, he brings it up. Like That's so, how you know that it's like... It's in his head. Yeah. It's in his head. He just he can't help it. He's looking down his nose at my ugly sticks as I'm getting lunkers in his face. But it's been going on for 30 years. <laughs> so what would, happen, what would happen if I rolled down to Crandon and I brought that new ugly stick that I got, that whole combo? I think that whole combo is less than 200 bucks. And I rolled down there with my ugly stick, and then I got on Carl's new fancy shittum. What would happen? I mean, would like, would there be like one of those sounds at the boat ramp, like you know, like there's a crowd of people, like ooh, like 
What would happen? I don't think so because you know what I've noticed with Crandon is there's so many jet skiers they probably wouldn't even know the difference. They know the difference when the difference when you're walking up to a jet ski or my boat or Carl's boat. <laughs> and if I was walking up to Carl's boat with the ugly stick, would he be like, all right, hurry up, like hurry up and get on, like so people wouldn't see yeah, me sporting? Get that thing under here quick, right? Where they wouldn't see me sporting it. Possibly, I think so. Because Carl's another one. He's got all that fancy boat, and then all his rods are like 300 bucks. <laughs> I always remember when you made that, that comment on Facebook about how all the hell's bet you had. You just made yourself two cheeseburgers at home. <laughs> and you made the comment saying of how the Hell's Bay and the Maverick and the Chittum guys are at home eating <laughs> filet mignon. And I'm just trying to get by over here. <laughs> Carl saw that and actually got a kick out of that one. All the Hell's Bay guys get a kick out of it. (laughs) Well, they want to feel like, you know, like it's charitable for them. Yeah, is that what they call it? (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. Norm had this this issue a couple podcasts ago with the golf crowd. What do you mean? Golfing? Golf crowd. What, they come on his boat? Well, he wanted to go catch bass in the... Um, oh, the golf course. On the golf courses. There's some big bass in those lakes because right. nobody fishes them. But you can't go on there unless you're a member. So Norm... Shocker. Right, Norm, you know, he's got a problem with that. Like I would, too. What do you mean? You got a problem? Dude, you want to be part of a golf club where they got bass and you can go fish them and pay up and become a member? <sighs> He wants something for nothing. That's the same way that Norm was talking about. And then he was mad. He was mad. Like, he was making fun of the way they dressed and where they went and how they acted. He never would, if, if, if he could afford to be in the golf golfer crowd like that, he would never, ever have that attitude. You can't be him, join him. Well, and then he starts, you know, acting like, you know, he was, he was laughing it off because, of like, uh, the Caddyshack theme. Yes, I love that movie. Everybody does. <laughs> so anyway, that was... Uh, so he went, got triggered, is what you're saying. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. It'll be all right. So we um, we gave away some stickers to anybody that belonged to a golf club and wanted to know if you had to be a member. And I've had like six emails so far. And I was really? just going to do the first the first sticker, but I'm going to do uh, everybody. I'm going to start giving away stickers. I can give them to everybody the emails. There you go. I do the shirt. Only one email guy gets it. And then I usually forget the address or lose it somewhere. And it just hasn't been a good thing. With the stickers, I can give them out to everybody and just write out the envelope and boom, they're gone. You know, speaking of stickers and shirts and whatnot, I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up, but only because a lot of people have been asking me, are we ever going to do an event again? Yes. It's funny you brought that up. Except it's going to be... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another triple live. We haven't done that in a long We're time. We're going to do a triple live series. 
And I'm putting that, the logistics together right now. Okay. With the big Bursa Man Bursa over at the Honky Tonk Bar. The Honky Tonk Garage. Right. Really? We're going to do, I don't know how many triple lives out of there. But we want to remake all the old barnacle music that Bursa wrote. Senior Bonefish. Right. So we're going to go over there. We're going to talk like this and shit. Then Bursa's going to bang out a jam. Norm can play the harmonica. So yep. get Norm. Norm's kid can jam. Yes, he can. I've seen the videos. Then we're going to get some old school Fort Lauderdale dudes to show up at the... Lamont plays guitar too. Right, Lamont. And we're going to get some old school guys to show up at the uh, Honky Tonk Bar. And then, uh, I don't know, we'll try to get out two or three triple lives. But are we going to do a live event with people? What do you think? Yeah, we're going to do another protest one day. We should. But I'm not going to do... the Lunkercon thing. The Lunkercon thing was a celebration of Happy Bait. So, Happy Bait's really not a thing anymore. Yeah. And it was when, sad. And it's when YouTube was at its prime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give you an example about YouTube and, the, and social media and everything. Okay? So, we do the podcast. And you, know, you do the podcast and you get a few thousand downloads per episode. You know? Maybe we'll get, in a good month, 10, 12,000 downloads. On Instagram, it's such a joke. Like, Lamont produces this little 60-second video yesterday, or the day before. And we put it up on Instagram, we get like 20,000 views in, you know, half a day or whatever it was. 18,000, whatever it was. Nothing. Nothing. You know, a few comments here and there. Now, if we had 18,000 downloads on a podcast, we would have got like 50 emails. People would have messaged us another 50 times, so on and so forth. That Instagram thing with all those numbers is all bullshit. It's the old quality versus quantity argument. The quality, I'd rather have 10,000 quality listeners than a half a million Viewers that have no quality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're going to do another protest soon. I want to do a protest. Actually, you know what, I, you know what I want to do before? You know what I do before a protest? What do you want to do? Or as a protest. I want to get all the people here in uh, our immediate vicinity between Miami and Palm Beach. Okay. That are into the waterways. And I want to have a social event for all those people. Because there used to be there was only 20 or 30 people that would pay attention. Now there's hundreds of people that pay attention. And one of the biggest issues with this whole fight for clean water is it's, it's degrading. And it's a long process. And you start to lose hope. So I think having a social event where we bring all these people together. You know what I mean? They've been, we've been together here and there. Sometimes at a city meeting. Maybe at the protest online in different places but to bring everybody together to let them know that there's positive things going on and then there's people that are with them because one of the problems is you feel so isolated you know you feel like you're the only one you're the only one that cares right and you often see it and hear it in people's posts they'll say nobody cares so anyway having a social event where everybody is there to support one another i think is huge huge and since we're all going to be there, might as well protest at the same time. Seriously. So anyway, to answer your question, yes. Okay. 
It's just going to be different than LonkerCon. Yeah. We need um we need more people this time around for this protest. Well, that's always the goal. Yeah. Are we are you thinking we're going to do it on the water again or what are you thinking? I don't know. I was that's that social event we're definitely not doing on the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to find a place. Maybe do it uh out there at uh, Chelsea's place, Miranda Farms. Farms. <laughs> That's a great place. It's man. a good spot. It is. We can get Ricky to perform again, maybe. Man, I want to get Ricky to do an episode down at the Honky Tonk Bar for Triple Life. That'd be great. He would do it in a heartbeat. Sure, he would. Did you see his friggin' um, Ricky Felito work schedule? Dude, he's nonstop. He puts in his work. He is banging out. Yeah. The gigs, gig life. See, he's smart though because he any opportunity that he has to perform somewhere in front of people, he takes it. Right. He doesn't look down his nose. You know what I mean? No, every At venue like, is a good venue for him. Exactly, and I think that's I think that's the smartest move he could make. Well, I think you know he understands. You know, you gain audience. You know, it's not easy, but you gain it one little yeah. bit at a time, one little bit at a time. But yeah, Ricky Valido. Friggin' love to get him down there at the honky tonk. He'd be great in triple live setting. He would do it. He would do it in a heartbeat. I had to go to Bass Pro Shops the other day when I picked you up. Yeah. I haven't been to Bass Pro Shops in friggin', I mean, literally five years or so. So, I got all those uh, gift cards over the last five years. I must have had two hundred fifty dollars worth of gift cards for Bass Pro. Yeah, you pulled them all out of your pocket. You had like a whole freaking stack. Of right, look like a Vegas dealer with all my literally with all my Bass Pro Shop cards. I haven't been to Bass Pro Shop in like five years. I walk in there, nothing's changed really. No, looks the same, smells yeah. the same, everybody's dressed the same. <laughs> I even saw the same people that I saw in there the last time I went five years ago. Yeah, but that place don't change. You know, the, I, I bought. Uh, Two ugly sticks that day, right? Yes, you did, yep. I got the new seven and a half foot casting spin, I don't know what they call it, but anyway, the new deal. And then I got the old tiger stick. Did you know I bought a two-piece tiger stick? I had to go back the next day and return it. One of the ones that, when I was with you? Yeah. Really? So I come home and I go to put my <laughs> go to put my reel on the rod, and, you know, get a feel for it and stuff. And I put the reel on the rod and the reel seat is kind of cocked out to the right and the eyes on the rod are straight up and down and i'm like oh the real seat friggin is off so i bring it back the next day and i'm like yeah i want to return this thing because the real seat is off and the lady goes did you know that was a two-piece rod and i was like no i did not are you serious i did not think for a second it was a two-piece rod so she takes the rod she just twisted a little bit and it was just fine you're kidding me no are you, did you, did you, so you still got it? No, I didn't want a two-piece rod. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I dropped I dropped that thing off and did the little exchange and all that. And then I still got like $37 of Bass Pro Shop money. I think when I went with Drew down to uh, Flamingo that one time, we were fishing with two-piece rods. You guys are fishing with two-piece rods? Yeah, when we went for sea trout and we caught ladyfish. You were two-piece <laughs> That's the right combo <sighs> for... for for ladyfish, yeah. nice little two two. Were they the ugly sticks? What were they? Bass Pro Shop specials. I think they were the Bass Pro brand, if I remember correctly. Were they Drews? I think. Yeah, yeah. Drews into the Bass Pro Shop brand. Yeah, it was fine. I just you know, you'd only catch so many ladyfish. <laughs> it was just ladyfish after ladyfish, and I was like, "Oh, there's another one. Oh, had, look at that. There's had, another one." I had quite a few people. Mentioned the ladyfish thing since you mentioned it on that podcast. Yeah, I don't blame them. That was uh, it's a thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> ladyfish. 
But at least we got one snook. Did you know cut ladyfish are great redfish bait? Oh, yeah. I've even heard that they're great. I've heard you put a live one on a hook. It's actually great snook bait, too. In some places. Yeah. It got to be a big, big ladyfish, though. I, I never heard Copeland bring up ladyfish once. Really? This isn't ladyfish area around here. Not for bait or for I think catching. When I when I used to fish the beach in Dania, I think I I only ever caught one twice on the beach. I don't know. There's just not really around here. I feel like there's a nice strain of ladyfish that come in at the end of the mullet run. A nice and strain, and they're big. They're <laughs> as big as your arm. Eight pounders. Really? Yeah. And those are worth. Those are actually worth catching a couple. Are they fun? Yeah. I mean, they're big. They're actually. They put up a little bit of a fight. Well, they really tested that two-piece rod you were using that day. <laughs> anyway, Bisaka, thanks for coming in for a quick recording, and um, congratulations on another bonefish. Thank you, brother. Looking like a star down there, Crandon with the uh, skiff and the guide and everything. <laughs> the Chittim. The Chittim. <laughs> you going to get the Chittim tattoo now? No, 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 we're not at that point just yet. Working on it? Maybe. We'll see. All right. Run that dog. Run that dog.